You're listening to Lead to Soar, bringing women the best career advice and mentorship from around the world. Lead to Soar is a production of a career that soars. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. The Lead to Soar podcast is recorded on the ancestral home of the Ho-Chunk Nation in Madison, Wisconsin, USA, and on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in Melbourne, Australia. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians of these lands and their elders past and present and welcome any First Nations people listening today, wherever you are. Welcome back, listeners, to Lead to Soar. You've got Michelle here today, and it's my great pleasure to welcome Jo Thomas back to the pod because we've had her on before. My dear friend, who is uh, CEO extraordinaire of, of a, a mob called AIB here in Australia. But today, we're not talking about her CEO perspective. Well, we are a bit, but uh, we're going to talk about MBAs because I get asked a lot by women should I do an MBA, Michelle? And I say, well, I think it depends. But while I've got your ear, I'm going to tell you how fabulous it was when I did mine. And I thought, well, I've actually, you know, I've got to the point where I think I probably need to give a a slightly uh, more well-researched response uh, to the question, should a woman do an MBA? And given that my friend Joe is the first real-life person that I knew that did an MBA when we were working together 15-something years ago, and now she also works or leads an organisation that provides lots of MBAs, and she's got lots of lived experiences, both a provider a doer of, etc. I thought, well, let's have a conversation about it. So with that very long preamble, welcome back to the pod, Jo. Thank you. And thank you for uh, thank you for having me, Michelle. So you, like others, uh, well, we've already, we already talked about it, but you also uh, have been asked, should I do an MBA a number of times? But of course, since you've been leading uh, an organisation that provides MBAs as part of all of the stuff that it does, I, I guess you get asked that question a lot. So let's, let's just kick off with the question, should I do an MBA? How do you and, say, Well, uh, my first two replies always are not going to be particularly useful or this will be a very short pod because the first one is we shouldn't ask me you should ask one of our students and alumni because I have a I have a horse I have a horse in this race so with with that disclaimer though that I do have a horse a horse in this race and a significant bias toward MBA it would be difficult to do my job if I didn't um the second part is is it uh, and I think I think it depends on both where you are, where you want to be, and what you're prepared to commit uh, in terms of the gap between. So we we certainly find that we get far more inquiries than we have people who go on to study study the MBA. Um, and part of me would like to think that it's because they choose to go and study an MBA elsewhere. No, actually, that's not true. I'm very glad that that's not the reason. The vast majority of people don't go on to study at all, or they certainly don't go on to study an MBA. Um, and that is because it is a it is a huge commitment. Uh, it's a huge commitment of time. It's a huge commitment of money. It's a huge commitment to both reflect on yourself and to make yourself vulnerable again. Uh, and particularly when you've got a pretty successful career, it can be hard to suddenly expose yourself to criticism because feedback on assignments can feel a lot like that uh, to add extra work to an already really busy life Um, and so it depends on whether the gap between where you are today and where you want to be tomorrow is both significant enough uh, and whether you're prepared to put in put in the work to close to close that gap Um, so that's the 
kind of the scary thing uh, about about doing an MBA. And you know, it's one of the few, a little bit like going to the gym. It's one of the few things in the world, and and you know, as as a provider of MBAs and particularly online MBAs, uh, it's one where you think you might want to do it. You then find out whether the provider will let you in. So you expose yourself right at the beginning of, am I even good enough? Uh, and then you pay the money and then you do all of the work and then it get you get judged whether you're good enough yet again uh, to then finally achieve those outcomes. And so it can be a really confronting decision to make, uh, but I don't think I know anyone who's regretted making it um, because the impact that it has on lives can be can be pretty profound but that's probably a long answer to a <laughs> to a short question no and look uh, we've talked before about you know the transformational experience and and certainly I and I guess listeners what I want to do is put some context around this because we we are talking well I I would like to put the context around that my experience was I did an executive MBA so did you Joe um, when you did it so we, and we'd both been in the workforce uh, you for slightly less time than me when I did mine because I did mine quite late um, but so we are talking about you know postgraduate study after being in the workforce for some time not necessarily postgrad state straight after under or going to business school straight out of, you know, doing your your undergrad. So, and and I think that that's a the the, the why. You know, the good old Simon Sinek always says, start with why. So why why am I doing this MBA? And for me, it was to do a whole bunch of different things, including getting a monkey off my back about not having a degree. Um, and you know, and I'm very upfront about that now. But that was absolutely a really big thing. But I, I think the the piece that you said there around what's the gap you're trying to close, and I guess what I want to do now is 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 reflect back some of the feedback that we know women in particular get in their one on ones and in their coaching and in their performance evals and things like that. Was one, you know, two, which drive me nuts. One is get a mentor, and of course that's incomplete advice because you go, well, okay, why? Or go and do some study, or go and do an MBA. And it's just not good enough advice, is it? It's not. And I think I think your that point around, you know, the monkey off the back of not having having a degree. So fifty percent of our students don't have a degree when they start with us. So their first experience of education is doing postgraduate education. Um, and that we're in a unique position and that we're set up to do that. Um, whereas a lot of institutions aren't. But it's a really critical point for us because it's a very different experience learning as a working professional than it is straight out of straight out of high school. Um, and so I think the why that we tend to see, and I'll, I'll come back to the incomplete advice, because when they say, when somebody gives the advice of, we'll do an MBA, the, the why, there tends to be the known whys. It's, well, I want to understand financial management better. I want to be able to, you know, contribute. And, and this is a piece of, sort of feedback that we get as one of the best outcomes of an MBA is I can sit at the table and feel like I can contribute at a level that I didn't feel like I could contribute before. But I think the intangible is probably more around confidence. I think there is a there is a certain shorthand that exists with an MBA that is both internal and external. So I think when the person says, oh, hey, woman who wants to progress, you should do an MBA, part of that is because it's still seen as 
you know, it's the generalist business degree. You know, MBAs were invented for engineers. So a whole bunch of engineers suddenly became managers. They didn't understand how to manage people. They didn't understand how to read a P&L. They didn't understand how to do marketing. And so the first MBA basically was to teach technical engineering professionals how to be managers and to be to do management. And so it was originally born for the, born from that, but has become sort of shorthand for the executive the executive degree. And so I think the external view is, oh, you've got an MBA that tells employers whether current or future a little bit about you. And I think that that is still as true today as it was when I did my MBA and probably when you did yours, in that someone looks at the resume and says, oh, they're smart. They've got a broad-based understanding of business skills. They can commit to stuff. They invest in themselves. And so it's a little bit of a shorthand for this person is a serious player. Um, and so I think I think that's often why it's given as that piece of feedback because it's, I don't quite know what else to tell you to do, so I'll just give you the thing that when you put comma MBA after your name on LinkedIn, people will know you're serious and should take you seriously. I think that's useful and I have to admit that's sort of why I did an MBA it felt like it was a ticket to getting a promotion and and not a guarantee but it was the price of entry um yeah it was like a club and unless you had an MBA you just weren't going to be invited there's no guarantee that you would be invited but then MBA no MBA meant you definitely would um and I, I do still think that there is an element of, of truth. And and I don't think that that's wrong, that that's an element of truth. I think that someone who commits to two to three years of study in addition to working and raising a family is pretty smart, is pretty tenacious, does choose to invest in themselves. And most MBAs teach broadly the same concept, so does give you a really broad understanding of critical business concepts. So I don't think that's wrong. I think the benefit and why women should do it, or anyone to be honest, but women in particular, is it has a tendency, I mentioned it briefly, it's the confidence that you get in taking that seat at the table. So it's not that someone holds the chair out for you, but you actually, it gives you the confidence to speak up when perhaps you wouldn't have. It gives you the confidence to feel like you belong that you did get a ticket to that table. Um, And I think that in many ways, having that broad-based understanding of general concepts just gives you that first bit of confidence to lean into, I actually hate lean in, but to lean into those conversations um, with a sense of I deserve to be here. And I think that often that then begets more confidence, which then begets more confidence. And ultimately, you're not talking about the things that you learned in the MBA. You're not necessarily using the skills that you learned in the MBA, but it gave you that that stool to stand on to give yourself that bit of extra lift to pull yourself up. Um, And confidence is the number one outcome that people report. Yes, there's promotions, there's salary increases, there's, thank you, there's, there's, tangible, provable, quantifiable benefits. But the single most commonly reported one is 
I had more confidence. I felt like I could take. Uh, absolutely, 100% agree from my own perspective. And then I'm going to add in, so listeners, for those of you who have listened to it now, it just escapes me. I think it's episode 19 that called The Confidence Scoop. Susan, Mel and I talked about what is confidence because, of course, we hear about confidence in relation to women over and over and over again. And Susan has this beautiful, you know, diagram or, you know, it, it, confidence is built on competence, it, it, and when you so you've got your competencies that you're really brushing up, you then become confident, and that confident that confidence then allows you to be courageous. So it allows you to step up to that table, take a seat, talk up, speak up, whatever it may be. So I think there's you know, again, I, I really want to get underneath and around some of the language we use when we say, well, what am I looking for? Confidence. Well, what is it really though? It's actually some competencies that are going to fuel my confidence and then fuel my courage to be an active participant, A, in my own leadership journey, but also to drive the business forward. So couldn't agree more. And, and Joe, you know, as you know, my MBA was absolutely transformational for me. And interestingly, and I've, and I've said this a number of times to people, the, the things that gave me confidence was I worked out I was actually competent at a whole bunch of things that I had not given myself credit for. So um, I think that the confidence factor out of an MBA or further study or professional development is one thing. But where I want to really tease into or, or, or tease out now is that you know, that the table stakes, you're a person who, who, yes, you've got all these competencies, but you're someone who's committed. And I'm a real fan of continuing professional development, clearly, because of everything that I do. But, you know, I, like you, have always invested in reading and attending things and putting my hand up for development and, 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 and. So that CPD takes all sorts of different forms as well. That doesn't necessarily have to be an MBA. But I, I guess the if you think about the conversations you've had with students, what's their mindset around that commitment that they're making to their CB, uh, CPD? Um, I spent a week in Canada. So we've got a lot of students in Canada. Um, and I spent a week um, doing nothing but talking to, to students. And Canadians have a particular tenacity. Um, they're the only group of students that I've ever spoken to who would who would quote their webinar attendance rates to me. Um, Australians, Australians less so. Um, and, but it is... <laughs> I mean, it's also very cold there in winter, so they don't have a lot else to do other, other than study. Um, I think... I think there's probably two two answers to that to that question, um, and the first is probably more of a practical one, which is how do you fit it in? Because that the the two reasons people don't do MBAs is can I even do it? Um, and so I'm going to deviate for a second. So can I even do it? Will I get in? Will I fit it in? Will it ruin my life? Uh, can I, am I smart enough? It's all of these can I even do it questions. Um, and then the second is, and will it help me achieve my goals? The first one is the critical, I think, question that everyone um, has. And when I spoke to these Canadians, it was what, you know, what were you most fearful of was one of the questions that I asked them in these interviews. What were you most fearful of before you started? And it was universally, how do I fit it in? What, 
what sacrifices will I have to make? What trade-offs will I have to make to do the MBA? Um, is it what extra pressure will I put on my partner? Um, <clears throat> would I be better off just expending that same energy in my job? And that's a big one. Could I just work a bit harder in my current job and would that deliver the same outcome? And universally those, and I was, disclaimer, I was talking to people who had either almost finished or finished, um, were very glad that they hadn't because actually in looking at development outside of the tactical doing of their role or even the strategic contributions of their role elevated both the way they thought about things rather than always being caught in the weeds. So it elevated the way they thought about their current role, but also how their role sat within the organisation and how the organisation itself sat strategically. That then meant they could contribute to those conversations and were then often involved in new projects, were taken into new internal roles, even while they were there. And I think that integration of the education into what you do. Now, an MBA is a, it's a master's degree. And so by default, part of it is academic. But good MBAs will also help you translate those academic, rigorous concepts into practical and applied learning within the role. And so the way to think about an MBA is not something that you're doing adjacent to your real life. It's integrated into your real life as much as possible. And there's time management involved with that. But the more that it can be engaged within your role, the more you can use your own company, whether that's as an employee or as a business owner, for assignments, um, the better, because it's bringing it to life that, to your point, builds that competency, but also in many cases validates it. And validation is something that we hear a lot as well. So, oh, turns out I was already doing all of these good things. I just didn't know that they were legitimate concepts that were invented by people with PhDs 25 years ago and have since been validated in a part of social sciences. I just thought it was good leadership. Um, and so there is, a, there is that cycle of validation. And so thinking of it as a purely academic thing that sits to the side of your real life, um, I think means you get less value out of it. And for me, there were parts of it that I don't think when I did my MBA that I got that right, that it did feel like this sort of abstract concept that sat off to the side of what my daily job was involved in. And so um, the way to commit to it is to integrate it rather than see it as, and it is a marathon. Also keep going. My other bit of advice is don't take too many breaks. It's hard going, but a bit like going to the gym, once you stop, it's much harder to get back into it. And so just keeping that progress and that momentum means you also derive value more quickly and it becomes part of your life rather than this awful thing that you need breaks from. You're listening to Lead to Soar, a production of A Career That Soars. A Career That Soars, or ACTS, is an organization, a networking platform, and a place for career women to learn and connect. Our founder, Susan Colantuno, envisioned a group that would embrace women from all backgrounds and support one another towards achieving their highest career ambitions. Learn more about what you can get from ACTS 
by visiting leadtosoar.com and clicking the ACTS link. Yeah, so I think, you know, listeners, there's, there's, you know, I guess knowledge bomb call to action number one is when, when assuming you are going to commit or if you do uh, an MBA um, or equivalent, integrate it into your job. So figure out and, and so have the conversation with your boss and your boss's boss. I'm doing an MBA. I'm going to have assignments. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to use the company as much as I possibly can. And I've got to tell you, as, as someone who's been a manager of people doing study and also had my university come to me to say, can you be an industry partner for students doing their MBAs and what have you, it, it's enormously beneficial to to organisations. So, um, so have that conversation straight up because I think there's a couple of things that will come out of that. Number one, you're demonstrating that you're committed to building um, your business strategic and financial acumen uh, to the, the right others, which is your boss and your boss's boss. Um, and number two, you're also demonstrating that you are for the business. Yes, I'm doing this for me, but I'm also going to bring the business along on the ride and have it benefit um from my continuing professional development. And I think the third um, part of that um, also is um, really then, then being able to say, well, you know, it's that practical learning. This is not a theoretical thing I'm doing on the side. And, you know, as someone who has learned by doing for most of her life, um, I, I found that quite useful as well. I think that the where I want to go now is just some really practical tips. Um, and particularly, we've already talked a little bit, how will I fit it in? Time management, things like that. And I'll be interested to hear what your students have told you around their practical, you know, techniques and their, their wisdom about this. But I remember at the the four-day intensive that kicked off my MBA, there was one particular lecturer who said, I'm going to give you two pieces of advice. Number one, this can't be fitted in around other stuff. Something has to stop for this to start if you're going to do this properly and successfully. And for me, that meant I stepped down off a sporting committee that I was on and channeled that and bought that time back and then put invested it straight in my MBA. And he said, and the second thing is, this is your family's MBA. However you define your family, yes, you're doing the you know brain work, but your family are going to enable you. And I totally agree with that as well. Um, because certainly when I was, you know, doing all sorts of things other than writing an assignment because there's always some busy work to do. My darling wife would say, get downstairs into the study and write a thousand words and you can't come out until you've written a thousand words, you know. So, yes, it is it is your family's MBA. But I also learned, I mean, I'm pretty good with time management anyway, but I also learned how to jam in 10 or 15 minutes of reading or 30 minutes. You know, I, I haven't been to the hairdressers for 15 years without a laptop or books. You know, I just think I'm not sitting there for all that time. So, so I guess that's, that's the other thing. So practical things about if someone's going, I just could not do this, Michelle. Um, you can, but you've got to be clever about it. So what's your advice there? And what have you heard? Clever and, and deliberate about it. It won't... 
you know, it's not like pouring water into a jar full of pebbles where it will just find the space around the rest of your life. You have to carve that space out. Well, it um, actually has to with the big pebbles or the big rocks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it actually does um, because it is, you know, there will be and it's easy to get lulled into a false sense of security. So you'll have a week when an assignment's not due and maybe it's an hour or two of reading and you attend a webinar or a lecture uh, and then suddenly it catches up with you. Um, now, the advantage that students have these days exceeds yours yours and mine where we had to lug textbooks around because, you know, most MBAs, certainly ours, is fully online. And so you can you can sit on the train or in the car, you can listen to your textbooks. So everything is converted to audio. Um, so you can fit in those 15 minutes and those 20 minutes. But make no mistake, you can't do an MBA in 15 minutes of time snatched here or there. They're, they're the things that keep you on top, but that's not the plan. That's the catch-up time, not the plan. Um, almost universally, people carve out time after work or before work. So what we have found our students do most most often and our average age is mid to late 30s, nearly all of them are married, nearly all of them have children, nearly all of them have full-time jobs. So these are not people who, you know, skip a shift at the at the at the supermarket to fit in their MBA. They have busy senior jobs as it is. So typically most of them will sit down for two or three hours a night after dinner. So the partner takes the kids to bed they lock themselves in a study for two or three hours and knock things off um, or they will put aside a weekend morning so a Saturday or a Sunday morning and when there's assignments due that does tend to be the weekend the weekend as well but being planned with these things um, is really important uh, most most institutions these days are pretty flexible with things like um extensions i remember when i did mine you'd need to have a limb removed i don't think i, ever, I don't think i ever even bothered asking for an extension whereas we would have we probably give 10 to 15% of students extensions every time these days because life is busy people are busier now than they were in 2012 as well but the danger of extensions is you you're just delaying the problem so unless you can legitimately catch up if all you're doing is pushing everything down you're just paying the price later instead of today so being organized and planned but also if anyone is thinking of starting an MBA your first few subjects are in many cases the academically easiest because you're learning how to learn and so certainly organizations like AIB support you in that and so the content is the content but we're also bringing you along that that online learning journey and that adult learning learning journey but they're the most work in terms of hours because you haven't learned to be efficient yet and so the other piece of advice is learn how learning works best for you um, it's about getting the maximum benefit for the minimum the minimum effort, and I don't mean half-assed effort, but it is about what are the essential things that I need to learn from this topic, what are the essential things that will be covered in the assessment, what are the essential learning outcomes, and how do I focus my energy and effort on those essential pieces, um, topics that you are most nervous about knock them off quickly so financial management the single most useful subject in any mba and the one that everybody dreads the most do that as early as you can um <laughs> because you'll have the energy to do it and also alternate between what i would call 
qualitative soft skill subjects and the more quantitative numerical ones, depending on where your strength is. So if you're a very strategic thinker, alternate between strategic and tactical. So don't do, you know, do strategic management and then ops management. Don't strategic management and then strategic HR management. So give your brain a time to shift gears rather than being fully focused on one particular area and leaving all the ones that you're less keen on to the end. But organisational skills and every, I mean, every graduation, we have a moment where we thank the partners because an MBA is a solo journey, but it is not one that you can do alone. And be, be honest with your partner about that and your children about that and we see amazing photos of like mum and dad and kids all doing homework at the same time Um, because setting a great example for children is also something that we hear a lot of because again a lot of our students have never studied before and so the example that they are setting their children both is amazing, but also means an awful lot to them that they are showing their kids that mum or dad are doing something to better themselves. And so being being upfront and honest about how it will integrate with the family's life, I think is very, very important. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, to, to recap, be be very planned. And I think the other part that comes out of that, Joe, is work out um, – well, certainly work out what you've got to learn. And, you know, the rubrics are always very good. So pay attention to, you know, at the start, I used to think, what are these funny grid things that they're putting there? Oh, that's what they want me to learn. Right. Yes, that would be good that I'd looked at that two subjects ago. Anyway, got there eventually. But, yeah, and also work out your um, when you're at your best um, So or, and how you work. So for me, I worked out, I'm a block worker. So I really like to have, apart from my, you know, my bits and pieces of reading, but if I'm going to work, if I'm really going to do deep work and write, I need to block, do a big block of time. And and I think most people are like that. I think it's really hard, you know, shifting focus. There's a cost for shifting focus. So if you do half an hour of this and then half an hour of a meeting and then half an hour of this, you lose, I mean, I'm sure there's scientific evidence, well, there is, I just can't remember what it is, that you lose five minutes or 10 minutes of that switching time, you have to dedicate, and it doesn't have to be seven hours, but I would say no less than one or two at a time in a block um, just to make the most of that focus and energy. So know where, know how how to learn, know what to learn and how to learn, know how you, when you are at your best. And as you said, some people are early mornings, some people are uh, afternoons, you know, weekends, whatever it may be. Take your your loved ones on the journey with you and be honest um, about it. But ultimately, you, you know, prior planning prevents poor performance. Um, and it's, I've left out the other swear word in there, but um, it, it really does. Uh, and I think, you know, being able to say something is going to have to stop for this to 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 start. I also think there's a mindset shift around I, – I, I saw my MBA as a real joy and even when it wasn't a joy, when I'm going, oh, my God, this hurts, um, corporate finance, um, you know, th- this is painful, but this is really, really good. But it's not going to go on forever either. And I did a lot of visualisation as well. So I visualised myself with the cap and gown and receiving my um, my 
uh, certificate at the ceremony and that visualization for me, for me and it doesn't work for everyone but it was actually very very powerful for me because it's you know that was my goal um but what I discovered along the way were a whole bunch of other things such as you know including discoveries about myself I've got networks you know people networking I mean you know folks who've listened to me bang on for years now that networking is one of my favorite things to talk about and the networks that I establish and continue to have um, as part of the you know my study groups and things like that um, invaluable and and I think what I also appreciated too was being able to learn as much from the other people that I was working with um, as from the textbooks so and I think again I think the modern the modern MBA you know are Uh, webinars for example are not a lecture they are people sharing their experiences in the real world of that content of of that week Uh, and the what's again modern technology whatsapp groups skype groups um when i was in canada we hosted an event and people met each other for the first time who they'd shared that whole journey so canada's huge um i being from giant Australia, I'd forgotten quite how large Canada is, and so people had never met, and yet they'd formed these really close, these really close friendships. Uh, and it is very much <clears throat> about you get out of an MBA what you put in. That's probably what I what I would end with. Um, the vast majority of people who don't finish, it's not because they they fail; it's because they give up. They get put off course, life will encroach on whatever you're doing if you don't give it priority. And so the vast majority of people who don't finish, it's because stuff happened and then they never got back into it. And that that probably breaks my heart more than people who don't ever start because starting is really hard. You've invested time, you've invested money, and then you haven't got the outcome. And that is that is a terrible waste um, to not get the outcome, to not close the gap between where you were when you decided to start and where you wanted to be, I think is a is a crying shame for people. Because an MBA can be a hard academic slog where you write assignments and do nothing else and then you get the letters after your name. Or it can be an experience that changes your life while you're in it and changes your life afterwards. And it's an, I, I, probably the academics will kill me. I tell you now the content is not the difference between those two outcomes. Because at the end of the day, a balance sheet is a balance sheet and Porter's Five Forces are Porter's Five Forces. Like the actual content of MBA between them, there's nothing that you couldn't Google yourself if you wanted to. And there's no difference really between the content between different MBAs. What it is, is can I apply it to my job? Am I dedicated to doing it? Is it driving me toward the future that I want? And that is more on you, women who are listening to this, than the MBA itself. The MBA is just the vehicle. You need to drive it. Well, what a great note to finish on. So, um, and and again, coming right back to the start, should I do an MBA? Well, the answer still is it depends. It depends. <laughs> and it depends on you. It depends on what what is it that you're trying to achieve? Um, are you prepared to, to put the work in? Are you prepared to, to adopt? the right mindset? Are you prepared to have the conversations with those nearest and dearest to you and get real about time and commitment? Um, and, you know, and I think some of those nearest and dearest are also the people that you work with because, you know, you might be surprised at at the, the conversations, um, how they might elevate as a result of you of you doing that. But as, as we said, 
do I, should I do an MBA? It depends. It entirely depends on you. Joe Thomas, awesome to thank talk you. to you as always. And thank lovely. you for sharing your wisdom. And um, well, we'll uh, we'll post some links in the show notes about MBAs and where you can go and, and how you can find Joe and all that kind of stuff. But uh, well, folks, if you get the career advice, you should do an MBA. Oh, that's what we want you to think about. Start with why. Why would I do this? Thanks, folks, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Lead to Soar. Bye. This has been another episode of Lead to Soar, a production of a career that soars. You can reach Michelle Redfern at michelleredfern.com and Mel Butcher at melbutcher.com. Join us inside A Career That Soars at acareerthatsoars.com.